Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. Well, this morning we do have uh, we do have a special time uh, this morning because we're going to uh, we're going to spend the day talking to some fellows here that um, have given their lives and their hearts to serve God to serve His kingdom, and they're doing so in in their way. They're doing it in in an area that they feel connected to, that they feel strong towards, which happens to be prison ministry. And they serve an organization called Kairos Ministry. And uh, you're going to hear more about that today. You're going to hear some important things about it. But I wanted to connect this with the gospel as we start this morning, because that is, in fact, what they're taking to Uh, the people in prison. They're taking the good news of Jesus Christ to these people who have in many ways been written off by society. And when you start to hear the stories, you're going to understand how how written off these individuals are in particular. But here's what I wanted to connect it with the gospel. Here's how I wanted to connect it with the gospel. The gospel is really interesting in that it it is a paradox in some kind of ways. How many of you know that the gospel, the euangelion, that's the word we used last week, that's the Greek word, euangelion, it means good news. How many of you know that? It means good news. How many of you also know that it's offensive? So the scripture tells us it's offensive. It tells us that the, that the cross is, a, is, is a, a rock of offense. It tells us that what Jesus did was offensive to people. Paul talks in Galatians about this offense of the cross over and over. This is the paradox of the gospel. It's good news and it's offensive. Isn't that strange? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I, I want the news to tell me good news for once, okay? Because, because good news is not offensive to me. It's, it's actually refreshing to me in, in light of all the bad news that we often get. But you see, the good news can be offensive. And this is where we try to give God some sort of like PR uh, help or something in his, in his work in the world. Or, or we try to... T- to give Jesus a makeover or something. Because when we come to this idea that the gospel is offensive, we're confused about that. So what we do is we say things like, man, if we would just get the gospel right, if we were just to preach the gospel, the unbridled, amazing gospel of the scriptures, people would be clamoring to know the gospel. Because after all, what is it? It's good news. But the truth is, it's offensive. And I just want to share with you three ways that the gospel is offensive. The first way that the gospel is offensive is because it's exclusive. How many of you guys know that the the gospel is offensive because it's exclusive? It says that there's no other way to salvation or redemption or life but through Jesus Christ. Well, that makes a lot of people mad, okay? I, I hope you realize this. It makes a lot of people mad because there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to God. And when you start telling people that there is an exclusivity to this particular thing, they begin to be offended. It's not that the gospel says offensive words or uses offensive language, but its communication is offensive because it says every other way. I know that this is crazy, but Truth is exclusive, whether you know this or not. But here's what's amazing. It says every other system is wrong, and Jesus is right. Now, do you understand why that would be offensive? Of course, of course. The good news is offensive. 
The second thing that you have to see about the good news being offensive is that it calls every person everywhere to repent. This is offensive to people. Why? Because it actually says something of our core nature. It's broken, right? Would you turn to somebody next to you and say, you're broken. I would use a funner word, but I don't want to cause offense myself. But the the truth is, is that we're broken, we're sinners, we're pretty awful people. I know some of you are taking too much liberty to tell somebody they're really awful this morning. Okay, This this is bad, okay? But here's the deal. The gospel is offensive because it calls all of us everywhere to repent. The word repent means to turn around. It means to stop going in the direction you're going, which, which is an attack on our pride in many cases. We're heading down this path and we say, well, I, but I like my sin. I like what I get to do. And Jesus says, no. Jesus says, no more. You see, it's a manipulated, uh, watered down, uh, everybody trying to give God some sort of public relations help gospel that tells people Jesus loves you just as you are so you can stay as you were nonsense nonsense so the gospel is offensive because it's exclusive the gospel is offensive because it demands every person to repent and listen here's another really interesting reason it's going to segue into today's uh, part the reason why the gospel is offensive is because God wants that all men come to know Jesus There's not one who should be left out. Even the people society has written off. Even the people that you look at and you say, whether you say it out loud or not, you say, well, thank God I'm not like that guy. You see, there's a story in the New Testament of two people, the publican and and the sinner, right? The, the, The tax collector and the sinner. And they're both praying before God. And one doesn't even look up to God. He beats his chest and he says, God, I'm a sinner I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. That man goes away justified. The other guy says, I tithe, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. Have I told you I'm awesome? And by the way, at least I'm not like that guy. And that guy goes away condemned. He goes away uh, unjustified by God. You see, the gospel's offensive because it's offered to the lowest of the low of the low, which happens to be you and me. So now I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I want you to say, I'm the lowest of the low. She already knows. The lowest of the low. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Dave McCarthy disagrees. He doesn't believe he is the lowest of the low, but it's okay. Anna knows better. Okay. So I am the lowest of the low. The truth is, guys, the truth is, the reason why the gospel is offensive, it's exclusive. The gospel demands repentance, and the gospel is offered freely to every human being. And there is this pride inside of our hearts that says, man, I'm better than. At least I don't do that. I've never been to prison. I've never cheated on. I've never... Stop. Stop. What sin you're guilty of is of no consequence that you are a sinner and that God saves sinners is important. Right? The gospel is offensive. So listen, we, we, we can try to play with the gospel a lot. We can try to you know, give God some public relations help. We can try to help him out in any way we think we can. But the truth is, the actual gospel of the scripture, it's going to offend people. To those who are perishing, it is foolishness. It is offensive. But to those who are being saved, 
It's the power of God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So what we're challenged with and what we're tasked to do is to actually share this gospel, even though it offends, to share this gospel with the world. And that's exactly what these three young strapping lads do every every year through Kairos Ministry. So if I can have you guys come up, Mike, Mike, and Bob, come on up, guys. Give them a hand while they come on up. Strapping young lads, I love this. It makes me happy. Help you up? (laughs) Yes, that's awesome. We're going to have to put a handrail up the stairs. (laughs) Anyway, he said it. I... Listen, the gospel's offensive, and so is Nathan. Anyway, sorry. So, amen. (laughs) Okay, this interview's not going to go well, Bob. Anyway, so, no, I hope hope you guys are ready to share a little bit about this uh, this morning. Uh, I want to start with prayer, and then I hope you guys will just be able to take over and and share your hearts and show people how uh, God has gifted you particularly and how that gift is shared with people in desperate need of the gospel. Cool? Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you do. You are a good and faithful God who cares so deeply for your children. God, you care so deeply for the world that that you died for us while we were yet sinners. It shows your character. It shows your nature. It shows your kind intention and your will. Father, we, we recognize there is no merit within us. There is nothing within us that has drawn your attention, your gaze, your affections, your love. But your character does love us. And it is amazing. And we are grateful for it. For those of us who have committed our lives to the gospel, to the Son of, uh, of God, to Jesus Christ. Father, we, we walk around with, with the same afflictions as the world, but we walk around with a great sense of joy in what you what you have accomplished in us. And we pray, Lord, that you would use each one of us that we might share that gospel, that good news, with those who will have ears to hear. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' great and wonderful name. Amen. Okay, guys, so the first question that I have for you, uh, and and you all know this, but these guys get to hear your answers, is what, in fact, is Kairos? Um, Kairos is a, obviously is a prison ministry. Um, Kairos started out of a uh, from a cursio that started in Spain in 1948. And yes, I am reading this, awesome. but uh, uh, and cursio in Spanish means short course. So uh, basically, what uh, it, it's operated uh, as an interdenominational uh, mission. And it's supported by volunteers from fourth day movements such as uh, Curcio, National Epis- Episcopal Curcio, Presbyterian Curcio, Lutheran by De Cristo, the Upper Rooms Walk to Emmaus, and many other more. It is, uh, like I said, it's non-denominal, and uh, that's that's one of the real beauties about it. That when we go in, there may be anywhere from 50 to 70 men on the team. And uh, for the most part, you're looking at, at uh, what would be considered a, a large number of guys from any one church. Uh, we come from all different churches, all different backgrounds, and uh, 
and we just we leave all that stuff at church and we go in and, and we present that um, also Kairos um, was actually started in 1997 in Florida and now it's in uh, 35 states and nine countries and we operate in 19 different prisons in the state of Ohio and those those are prisons for men those are uh, I was surprised I thought there was only one but there are at least two uh, prisons for women and I believe there are at least two prisons for young offenders and uh, uh, when you when you think about these people just you know I think most people believe that uh, an offender a, a man in prison or a person in prison has got the old Jimmy Cagney uh, thing with the fedora and a cigar hanging out their mouth and all this but uh, these are people just like you and me and they they made a decision uh, many of them that took just that long and now they're doing 20 or more and uh, it's it can get you there uh, you can wind up there quite easily and uh, like like I said over the years that I've been doing this I I just come to realize just how easy and, and just how by the grace of God that uh, I'm not there and that I've never uh, spent time, any additional time uh, there. So, uh, and enkairos is a, is a Greek word and it means God's special time. And uh, we'll let these guys go ahead and go from there. So God's special time kind of um, has a story as a backbone starter when you first get involved in this ministry and what the story relates to is uh, like a pregnant woman uh, who goes to her doctor and he tells her that her due date is like July the 8th uh, but when she wakes up uh, on July the 4th at 3 a.m. and she tells her husband it's time and the husband says no it's July the 8th <laughs> so that's God's time or that's Cairo's time, you know, things happen in God's time. So this is God's special time. And really what this means for the Cairo's ministry um, is that it's guys on the inside of prison. It's their, you know, special time. It's their weekend retreat, if you will, with God. So that kind of explains a little bit towards that. Did you want to add anything, Mike? It's God's special time. It's also God's appointed time. It's a, there's an appointed time for everyone, every day. And this is the mindset that I've got from, from going through this program is every day God has an appointed time. He will constantly cross your path with somebody or something. And this, this is the way uh, we look at life now. God is always there. He's always present. So you guys, you've said that it's God's appointed time and, and that uh, we understand the appointed time. The big picture appointed time is for the sharing of the gospel. But what are some of the other appointed times, maybe those moments within uh, a given weekend that, that God reveals himself? What does he do? Just give me some rough examples of this. I know it's a little bit... Uh, the question's phrased a little different than what I originally gave to you. But. Well, I guess um, 
guess you can go to the Bible for this, and uh, you know, he opens the eyes to the blind, opens the ears, uh, he, he, he moves mountains. He's not moving uh, Gibraltar, he's moving bigger mountains. Uh, that would be these men that are incarcerated and cut off. And uh, it, it's, it is just amazing what you see happen uh, in the hearts of these men. I mean, many of them will start out and we, we meet these guys and, and many of them will, will make uh, a comment that they're just, just there for uh, the food because we take in the meals for the days while we're there. So they just showed up for the food or maybe they just, you know, they just wanted to get out of their cell or their block and they just want this. And by the time it's all over and done, these are the guys that are just, you know, um, you could go ahead and, and, and cook some hamburgers over them. They're just so much on fire and everything. So uh, what he does is, is he just, um, he just fills these guys up with spirit and just with love and uh, uh, makes them aware of something that they were never aware of before. And that's something that we get blessed to hear and, and everything so much, you know, uh, by coming here about the, the love of God and everything. So they get to catch all that. Any thoughts, guys, on those extra appointed times, what God's doing? Um, one thing that we come in here every Sunday and we greet each other. We look each other right in the eye and it feels really good to be in here. When you walk into this uh, prison, these guys' eyes are dark. They're full of hate and it's a matter of survival for these guys every day to live literally to live and um, to see this darkness and evil and um, just you know just a terrible outlook on life when you walk in there to see it transform in each of these guys lives throughout this weekend that we go in that is amazing to see God work in these guys to see the, the, the transformation that happens in each one of them. That to me is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty amazing there. Awesome. I can just say that to what Mike always said. When we go in there, our first introduction to these, to these men is uh, Thursday. And it, that's what it is. It's an introduction. And when these guys first come in, most of them don't make eye contact. Some of them don't want to shake hands. I mean, we offer, but we don't push it. And then see them transform over that weekend that we're in there. It's, and like you said, it's amazing. You see their eyes light up. You see them actually start to trust somebody from the outside. Whereas these guys never gain trust is hard in there. But by the time we're done in there, it's amazing. So, so Kairos is this God's appointed time moment. Obviously, the, the big picture of the appointed time is that they, they have an encounter with Jesus because that's who changes and transforms us. It comes at little uh, increments. So it's, it's relationship, it's meet and greet, it's these things. But, but one of the big thrusts for you guys is what is called the Kairos weekend or this week that you spend. So what I'd love for you to do for these guys is just kind of walk us through uh, a Kairos week. How does it begin? And then what is the hopeful end uh, result in this? Okay, I'm going to go back to my notes. Uh, 
actually we'll be starting another team here in a couple of weeks that we, we've all signed on for. But uh, the team starts out with uh, one meeting a week for eight weeks. And uh, it's, it's really geared to bring uh, all the men on the team together because uh, if, if the team doesn't practice, they just don't play well on Sunday. And so we come together and, and what we do is we, uh, we surrender ourselves to God. Uh, some of the other things we do is uh, we understand going in that um, there will be 42 residents attending this weekend. So that means each one of us writes each one of them a handwritten letter. And uh, so there's 42 letters to be written. And then if you're uh, one of the people who is sponsoring one of these guys, and by sponsor what they mean is just write them a little letter that says, Hi, I'm Bob. Uh, I'm married, got so many kids and, and this stuff, and I enjoy this, this, and this. And it's just a little introduction so that when they come in on Thursday, like Mike said, we do introductions on Thursday, so they, they know just a, a little bit about one person at least in there, so they're, they're not totally out. Also, uh, one of the things we sign on for, and that's your cue for the prop, we're all responsible to bring in 200 dozen home-baked cookies. And uh, so that's, that's where you come in. <laughs> because uh, that, let me tell you, that's a lot of cookies to be baking. Uh, and also, and, and, and through our meetings and everything, we, um, we try to model Jesus as best what we can. We, we put a towel around our waist. We get out on our knee. Uh, uh, we'll wash feet. We'll, we'll do whatever. We, we serve these guys. You know, these guys... Um, Prison is just a, a, foreign, a foreign planet. And um, so not only do these guys come in, like Mike said, you know, untrusting and, and everything. It, it's, there's not a lot of trustful people, as you can imagine, in prison. So um, when we come in, we, we just, you know, we just love on them. Uh, we serve them. Uh, when it's time to eat, they stay right at their seats. We bring the meals to them. We pick up all the junk. We supply everything they'll need for the weekend. Um, we just spend a, a lot of time and, and just try to serve them in, in many different ways. And also when we sit down with them and everything, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I've heard different things over the years that um, at one time the uh, Kairos volunteers were all called Q-tips because we were a bunch of old guys with gray hair. <laughs> <coughs> and, you know, they... they I remember a fellow telling me, he says, wow, he says, we were expecting a bunch of old guys coming in here in suit and ties expecting, you know, they were going to tell us how we should live. That's what we were expecting. But we come in and we're totally transparent. Um, as Nathan alluded to early, um, we're all sinners. Um, um, we're all, uh, we're all the same. We're, we are the same. And and so we're, we're transparent about ourselves. You know, I, I'll sit and uh, I can open up and, and talk about my shortcomings and everyone on the team will do that. And there are team members who, uh, who know exactly what these guys are going through because they've done some time in, in person themselves. And uh, I know we've, uh, we've had guys who've done some extended periods. We've got have fellows who uh, have done many shorter periods but, um, you know, it's, 
I don't know how many of you have ever smoked in your life. Uh, I smoked for many years, and, and I've stopped. And then I think I stopped for three months or something. I went back, and then I stopped. And I'll never say I quit because there's still times I think, boy, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't it just be super to have a cigarette right now? So I know that one more cigarette is going to put me back into smoking the things. And, and so you never can really say that you quit. And so we're, we're just totally transparent about ourselves. We don't ask what they've been uh, sent to prison for. We don't care what they've been sent to prison for. That's, that's the judge and the jury is taking care of all that. Uh, we're just there to be the hands and feet of God and to, um, uh, to pray with them and to let them know that, that above all, God loves them right where they're at. He loves them in their cell. He loves them, out the, he loves them right where they're at. And we, uh, we kind of have a, a real easy motto to remember. Uh, it's called listen, listen, love, love. So we want to listen to these guys. We, there's nothing that we need to, you know, extend our personal experiences uh, all over them. We just need to listen to them and, and to love them for, uh, for who they are and what they are. Um, so you'd say that the beginning of this is really the focus of getting to know them, kind of showing them that, that God has come to them. As you said, he loves them where they are. He's, he's sent an entire team of people into their uh, confines, if you will, um, exactly. to, to show them a great deal of love. But the emphasis that you have in the beginning is to go in there, uh, to go in there prepared because the team is prepared, right. to go in there prayed up, which we'll talk about maybe in a little bit, to go in there prayed up, and then to go in there uh, with the objective of, of listening to them. And then, right. and then loving them. Right. Well, we treat them like human beings, just, just like we treat each other right here, just like you treat everybody at work or your family. You know, we, we treat them all like that, and they are not treated like that where they are. Um, and it's, it's not just, you know, in your mind, you know, it's not between the correction officer and, and the uh, the resident. It's not. It's not between this and that. You know, uh, like Nathan said, they've been pretty much dusted off by society, and and actually the way they treat one another is uh, quite appalling. Um, I, you know, because they just they can't trust anybody. I mean, you can't can't trust anybody, and and if somebody gives them something, oh man, they especially don't trust them because they know what's going to come on the backside. They want something in return. Now, what do they want in return? And, you know, if they've fallen into the gang thing in there, uh, that can go ahead and bring the stakes up even higher for what might be expected in return. And uh, that gets to be a, a pretty uh, difficult thing for them to overcome. So meet and greet, what happens now? What, what goes on in this week? So after the meet and greet, I mean, it's, um, they encounter Christ, you know, first, first off in this introduction period. Um, the, the residents that are incarcerated uh, are given an overview of what's ahead for the weekend. Um, and basically, it's a 50-guy team that goes in there, 42 residents. So right around 100 people in a big circle 
That's the first day. And in this big circle is the pass the mic around and introduce yourself kind of thing. They learn about what is going on with the team by that, you know, round table type thing. So it immediately starts um, weakening the walls and the defenses of these guys. And we try to work on that as, um, as we go through the weekend to build trust with them because they don't trust anybody. They don't trust the guy that is in the cell right next to them incarcerated with them all this time or anybody else in there, the COs especially. So when they come across 50 men that say, you know, you can trust us, no, you've got to earn that trust right away. So uh, we start that, that in that format on Thursday when we go in. Uh, goes into Friday, and that theme of that day basically is encountering self. Um, during this weekend, there's 10 different talks. Basically, each guy of the team, you know, could get a talk, and it's very structured. The first talk is choices. What choices did you make to get here? What choices are you going to make today to get out of the ditch that you're in, you know, or, you know, basically how can we get you towards Christ as the main reason of these talks, these discussions? There's 15 meditations throughout the weekend. There's discussion at the table after a talk. There's poster time. There's uh, prayer time. Uh, it's very, very structured with the Cairo's way, and it's um, all leading towards, you know, we want to get these guys to accept Christ throughout the weekend. You know, it's the ultimate goal. But you know, by Friday, you're getting a little more trust with them. Encountering self is the theme that day. They sit at tables, and the tables are, you know, Matthew, Luke, Mark, whatever, uh, six, uh, seven different tables. And there's six residents at a table, and then there's um, three of us sitting at a table, and we actually have a table servant. So throughout the day, they kind of sit at the tables watch the talks, listen to the talks, take notes on the talks, and then they have table discussions after a talk. Um, by Saturday, that's a super day. I mean, it's uh, these 42 letters that Bob spoke about um, that we write, each guy. Those are given to the guys on Saturday, and it's a very emotional time. These letters are filled with, with love, I mean, encouragement, hope that they never, ever hear. Sometimes they may not get a letter ever while they're in prison. Some of these guys are in there for life. Can you imagine not speaking to your family, speaking to anyone on the outside for the duration of being in this dark place? So 42 letters is a huge deal. Or actually, they get 50-plus letters each because there's more than 50 guys on the team. So they're getting all these letters that day. Um, Bob, you should probably talk about the forgiveness ceremony. He's really good about that. But uh, that's also on Saturday is a forgiveness ceremony. Um, it's just a huge day of, you know, um, how they encounter Christ and what forgiveness is and how can they forgive, that kind of thing. And um, it leads into the Sunday with closing ceremonies encountering others, and all these talks lead to that. But Bob should probably go into this forgiveness ceremony speak, slightly. Speak to this real quick, though. Um, we, a lot of us maybe grew up in church, and, and we, 
we were probably invited to a revival or something like that at some point in time. It was really weird that I got much older in my life before I realized you could schedule God's revivals. Anyway, so, um, so but, it, but interesting, so, so we would go to that and we just kind of hear a message. Somebody would preach the gospel and then make a decision. But these, these talks throughout the days, their, their objective is to delve way deeper into choices and, and repentance and those kind of things. So how do they um, it, speak to maybe what you've seen from guys coming out of some of those talks? Just like what you've encountered. And any of you can answer this question. The last time we went in, I was, uh, I was at a table. And uh, it was on a Sunday. So this is our, our closing is on a Sunday. And we, we serve pizza. We bring pizza in that day. And it was probably after a break because all the guys had already left the table where I was except for one, one of the residents. And he shared this with me. He said, before I, before I uh, began this program, he said, I planned when I was getting out. He said, well, I, yeah, I guess he was going to get out soon. He said he planned on uh, taking out the guy that uh, had testified against him. Not just him. He said, I was going to burn his house down with his whole family in it. He said, I'm not going to do that now. This is huge. It's not just go in and hear a bunch of, you know, Christians tell you that they're better than you are and... You know, that if you'll just pray a magic prayer, everything will go better and it'll change everything. It's a very in-depth time. And as, as Mike Van Vliet mentioned before, it's very detailed. As a matter of fact, I think this is the owner's manual, right? So <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole lot of stuff in there, sorry. So I, I thought that was just an amazing thing. And I appreciate you sharing that story because it was, it was very moving to me. So, so this forgiveness ceremony, walk us through what this is. Well, like Mike, uh, Mike Van Fleet said, said, you know, there's 10 talks and 15 meditations. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a, a retreat weekend of any sort. Um, if you haven't uh, experienced that, you should really do that, and we'll be glad to talk a little bit about that after church. But um, the 10 talks, are God uses us as mouthpieces to go ahead and to present um, life or to help these guys to, to look at their own life um, much deeper. Like Mike said, you know, first talk is choices. It always amazes me how many of these guys sitting around after it's all done say, choices. Man, I didn't realize that was my choice to have done this. My choice not to have done that. And, and they just, there's so much I, I think I'm a if I were a rock, I'd be a flat rock because I'd just skip right across the surface. And I, I think in a lot of ways we all do that. But anyway, they, they get into choices and so that God uses us. And, and we, while it's, it's a somewhat of a scripted talk, you put your own life experience inside this talk. And so that's part of the transparency. But where the, I, I think a lot of the, the real meat comes in uh, is in the 15 meditations because we're not talking to them so much then. 
Now it's them talking to God. And if you've done these retreat weekends, you can identify with uh, what I'm saying here and, and how God will take you and, and move you through different places and, and just flash you through your life. And, you know, and it, it's like the old story, you know, uh, about the footsteps. You know, okay, I see all these, these two footsteps, God. Now I only see one pair of foot or one set of footsteps. Uh, you know, what's going on here? Where were you? And that's when God answers and says, those are mine. I was carrying you. And, and we need to realize that. And, you know, uh, for the team, you need to be a Christian. So all of you would qualify for being on a, a Kairos team. You're Christian. To come to a Kairos weekend, there's no requirements. If the uh, chaplain says you're in, you're in. So we get guys who have never heard a word about Jesus Christ other than as a curse word. Uh, we get guys, well, we get Muslims. We get uh, the one time, I don't know what the church was, but their God was Keanu Reeves. Uh, Seriously. Mike can tell you some, uh, some other stuff that, you know, and, and they're just really so crazy about some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, we, that, that's where we go. Have I answered? <laughs> yes. Well, so that leads to this forgiveness weekend. And so yeah. through those yeah. meditations, they are really weighing their life. Right. And, and in order to move forward uh, for all of us, uh, we, need to, we need to forgive and to move on. Um, no matter how right you may have been in bringing this to my attention or, or whatever, or uh, going ahead and um, you know, being testified against or whatever the case may be, you can't hang on to uh, anger and resentment. Um, we've all done it whether you hung on to just a little or you hung on to a lot, it eats you up and it'll eat you up and it'll burn you up. And it's just, it's, it's far worse than any disease that we try to treat in a hospital. And so we, we take them with choices. We try to introduce them to themselves day one, day two. Now we start to open up about, about this, uh, what they need, you know, how about forgiveness and then we, uh, we encourage everyone on the team, whether it's uh, the residents or, or the team members, we all carry with us a little piece of paper and we write down on that paper who we need to forgive. Um, for me, usually the first name on the top of that list is Bob because I'm, I'm my uh, worst critic. Um, I'm hard on myself. And like I said before, um, you know, I keep getting a lot of dirt thrown in my face from my past life. And, and that's a lot of times that, that just drives you into an insanity of sorts uh, right there. So we, we go ahead, we, we list all this, and it's amazing. Of course, my list has gotten shorter and shorter, thank goodness. Uh, usually it's just Bob. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's anybody. I mean, it's somebody who just cuts you off in traffic. It's this, it's that. It's, it's whatever's just eating at you. And we're going through all this stuff. And uh, one, of the, one of the meditations is given by one man who was sharing a personal experience. And some of these experiences are uh, pretty, pretty deep. Um, a couple fellas had just gone through divorces where they, uh, uh, their spouse was uh, having an affair and they, they caught him in an inopportune time. 
and another fellow, he was, uh, he come to find out that when he was in on a, a Kairos weekend, he was, uh, he had made the acquaintance of uh, a fellow whose father had murdered his father. And uh, so it's, there, there's a, a lot of stuff that goes in on this. Now, the 42 letters that we wrote them, they're given these on Saturday afternoon. And um, like Mike said, just imagine not having any correspondence with anybody, you know, any loved one on the outside. All your friends on the outside, when you get sent to the, the pen, you don't have those guys as friends. They don't come and visit. They don't uh, write. They don't call. They don't. They just cut you off because they're going on with what they were doing. Uh, your family is dishonored. They're embarrassed. They're this. They're that. They're mad. They uh, many times they don't uh, communicate. So these guys may not have had a letter in 25 years. And on Saturday afternoon, uh, they're given these letters. We put them all into um, uh, paper bags. And we set them at their place on the, uh, the tables that they're sitting at. And uh, they go back, and at each table there's a, a clergy person. Um, and they would be sitting there, and then the leader of the weekend is standing there at the podium. And nobody says anything over in the community room. These guys, they, they start getting into their bags, and they start reading all this stuff. And... There's a lot of walls that are coming down there, and, and you'll see so many different but same reactions. Uh, some of these guys, uh, they get them, and it, it's just like, you know, they, they can't open them up fast enough and, and read them, and, and I don't know how much they're really taking in, but they just fly through them, and other guys go ahead and read them and just want to study them, and, and some guys open them up, and they may not even make it to the second one. They'll just go ahead and fold it up, put it back in the bag, fold the bag over and sit there because um, they're not about to start crying like some of these other guys. And, and you know, it's, it's pretty humbling to think that these guys who are hardened criminals uh, have feelings enough to where they'll sit there and they'll bawl their eyes out like babies uh, many times when they read this stuff. And... Uh, <clears throat> You know, they, so they'll take them back up to the block and, uh, you know, they'll read them as time goes on and as, as they want. And uh, so the, that really works on them. And then as we continue on on Saturday, uh, the list are completed and everyone goes into uh, what we call the sanctuary. Uh, the layout of the whole Kairos weekend, if you think about a, a high school gymnasium, you take bed sheets, put them on a, uh, a clothesline and divide it in half. And then you take about what about a maybe a a fifth of that, and then you put some more bed sheets across, and that's our sanctuary. Obviously, in a prison, there's no walls that just around to keep everyone in. So uh, that's how we divide things up. So everyone will be sitting in the sanctuary, and uh, the the uh, the clergy who's leading that meditation will go ahead and and bring everyone through, and each table will come up and uh, take their pieces of paper and they can fold them or wad them or whatever and we put them in a metal container and everybody puts them in and as each table finishes uh, they'll pray together and then they'll return to their seats and we do that and uh, 
when we're all done, everyone has their, their paper and the, uh, the metal canister, then they'll, uh, the, the clergy will get to the point and walk over and put a match to it. And everyone just stands or sits and just looks, just looks. And I've seen guys just get up on their tiptoes to watch it, to make sure it, their stuff all gets burnt and just to see it all go and uh, to have that feeling of relief that I don't have to be angry at you. I don't have to be angry at you. And, you know, I can let all this stuff go. And, and we just cleared out all this area now in my life. And all this area that has just been cleared now becomes available for Christ. And, and that's, that's a real beautiful uh, thing right there. And uh, the team will go out of the sanctuary and the leader talks to the fellows and then we, on their way out, the 200 dozen cookies that each of us are responsible for. And uh, if some of you have probably done the math, well, there's 60 guys on the team and each guy brings in 200 dozen. Yeah, there's a lot of cookies. Um, and, and there's a picture hanging up from the last time we went in. That's just about half of them. Um, that's an awful lot of cookies to take in, but we use them at the tables as they talk so they have something to eat. Uh, they take them back in their blocks to share with other guys. Everyone in the prison gets at least two dozen cookies. On Saturday, we go out and we distribute them. Uh, they have to go back and be counted, so they're in their cells. So we'll drop two bags of cookies at, yeah, at each uh, cell. And uh, oh, I, <laughs> I said the prisoners get it. Yes, 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 this is true. <laughs> 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 but uh, they're given extra bags of cookies to take back. And if, if the person they need to ask forgiveness is in their block or maybe is in the cell with them, or maybe it's a CO right there, they can use these and, and go up and say, you know, um, I, I know we had this disagreement and, you know, it's been put on my heart to go ahead and uh, to forgive you, and, and I just want to offer these to you, and uh, you know, for forgiveness. And and I would like to go ahead and to just drop all this this stuff that's going on right here. And uh, many times it works, and there are times when it doesn't, and trouble ensues. But it's prison. That's the kind yeah. of stuff that goes on. And so you know, we we afford them uh, a gift. And hopefully they take advantage of it. And so that's, that's what the forgiveness is. And it's, uh, uh, if, if you've ever forgiven a, uh, uh, a family member who did you wrong when you were 10 years old, they, they ran off with your, your favorite cap gun and all your stick em caps there to go on there, then, you know, and finally you get to forgive them. It's, do, it's we a need, relief. do we need to pray for you about this? Uh, please do. Please do. <laughs> that bitterness is coming out. So, please so obviously <laughs> our time, our time's flown by, you know, we're, we're going to wrap this up, but what I would love to do really quickly is what is one piece of this weekend? You know, if, if you could say it in a minute or so, what is one piece of this weekend that just hits you the closest Kind of say it, explain it just ever so slightly, and then we're going we're gonna to do something special at the end with a song. So. Let me go first. Um, I think I just spoke about it, the forgiveness. Okay. I mean, it's, 
like Mike said, these guys come in and there are, their eyes can be so dark and, and receding. And, and then uh, after the forgiveness piece and then on Sunday, uh, they're totally different people. They're just so alive and, and just uh, crazy alive and, and just feel such a sense of relief. And we're trying to build a community because when we walk out of there, while we'll go back periodically uh, once a month and they have some other stuff once a week, but we're not in there but for a very, very brief time. So we're, we're building community. So now they're starting to feel the community. Uh, they feel the forgiveness. They, they feel the love of, of a God they may not have even knew existed. And that's my favorite thing is, is just to see this and to, to see these, uh, these men return to... Uh, uh, being humans again. Awesome. Mike. So um, there's lots of good things going on in there in the weekend, but um, one of my favorite things is, so Bob mentioned this community that we're trying to build. It's um, prayer and share is what we get them to try to do every Saturday. So you build them up on this weekend. Hopefully they're going to accept Christ through the weekend. And that's like the start of the journey for these guys. And to get them to keep that community going, we go in the inside once a week and do this thing called prayer and share. So the graduates of Kairos, that the weekend is called, um, they, you know, get to go to prayer and share. They also get to work in the chapel, uh, the gymnasium and that kind of stuff. And they actually help our team when we go in there and they make drinks like iced tea and lemonade. They mop the floor, help us clean up. But there's also a thing called praying up the team. So as a speaker, you know, we take the speaker that's given a talk into a room and we pray over that, that speaker. So, you know, a lot of the guys are, you know, touching the speaker. And these graduates of Kairos are some of the best praying up folks I had ever seen in my life. I mean, these guys are just like quoting scripture and, and just... Uh, you're talking about men of God. I mean, they've accepted Christ. They went through the program. They're going to prayer and share weekly. This is what it's all about. This is the yeah. bread and butter of the whole thing is to see the transformation happen. Amen. So these guys that are praying up the team, that is, to me, it's, it's the ultimate exhilaration seeing that happen. Awesome. Mike? You know, all I can do is build on that. It's, it's watching these guys come in on Thursday. And then the change that they that goes the, the changes that come over them. You see it. You see it in their faces. You see it in their eyes. And you you just can't put that into words. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.